Tracy here. Welcome to season two of the Essential Stepmom podcast. Unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well, and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step parenting, the stress around money in step parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. things I ask everyone who asks to join my Facebook group, The Spectacular Stepmom. One of them is the top three things you'd love to learn from our group to help you on your stepmom journey. I look at them all in case you didn't know, and I plan my Facebook live streams and blogs around those things. Recently, somebody answered, how to react when your stepchild acts like you don't exist. Looking back over some previous answers, I noticed a lot of variations on this theme. Women asked about dealing with a bio mom who thinks you don't exist, with stepkids who act like you don't exist, with your spouse who gets so wrapped up in his or her kids they act like you aren't in the room, and with in-laws who don't acknowledge you. Here's a sampling of comments from online. My stepson and husband obviously have a strong bond, but sometimes I feel invisible. I know he can be a surly teenager, and I'm not on equal par in the bonded department, but sometimes I just wonder how my stepson can completely ignore me while they go on talking and laughing. It happens often enough that I just want to cry. Or, the three days we don't have him are the three days my husband notices me, so yeah, I guess I'm a little overly defensive about it all. And this woman said, My husband and I spent the weekend at my stepdaughter's soccer tournament. She flat out ignored me the whole time. In front of her mom and all of her friends, she would walk up to my husband, give him a hug and walk away. In plain sight for all to see, this stepmom business is not for the faint of heart. What is it about being ignored or overlooked that is so incredibly triggering for us? Well, Everybody wants to be seen, to be acknowledged, more profoundly, to be understood. You want your good intentions and tireless activity to be acknowledged. You want society, and by that I mean actual people out in the world, to say, your family may be unconventional, but it's real, it's valid, it counts. So much of a stepmom's life includes these little moments of being shoved aside or frankly ignored. 
and by the very people we rely on to help us feel okay about ourselves. So I'm going to break this down into a few different problems the way I like to do. No two of us have exactly the same experience of feeling like we don't exist. So the solutions for everyone are different too. And none of us have the same backstory around being unseen or unrecognized in our family of origin. And boy, does that ever count. So now it's time for my vulnerable share of the week. I have a recurring dream about being at a dinner party where there isn't a seat for me. I actually have a really close group of friends in real life from school, and we celebrate Thanksgiving and Easter together every year. So this exact kind of dinner party dream is really about my closest friends. I feel left out in some really fundamental way, like I'm not good enough to be noticed or to be accepted or included. My friends would probably be horrified to hear that I have this deep unconscious fear. They've never done anything to make me feel this way, but I'm carrying it inside me. So believe me, I really feel something when I'm talking about feeling invisible. And maybe that's why I've developed a strong reflex to control feeling invisible in my life as a stepmom. Because being a stepmom comes with a kind of passport to invisibility. There's an opportunity to feel like you don't matter or don't exist around every corner. I decided to master my ability to actually be invisible and to use that like a superpower. And it is a kind of superpower. Most of us just don't figure that out until after years of trying not to be invisible, to feel better by just asserting our right to stand where we think we belong at all times to refuse to be negated by our kids or our spouse or the ex. And what I really want to talk about today is the big difference between feeling invisible and being invisible. Feeling invisible is your reaction to a potentially normal dynamic in your unconventional family. Being invisible is a strategy for making your family work better. You get issued your stepmom invisibility cloak the minute you enter a relationship with someone who already has kids, but nobody tells you how to use it. So I'm going to give you the instructions right here on this podcast. But before I go all Harry Potter on you, I want to talk a little bit more about feeling invisible. So remember the stepmom from the beginning who wrote that her stepchild acts like she doesn't exist? I don't blame her for wondering how she's supposed to deal with that. I think once again, there are a couple of ways to think about it. Number one, if this is happening right in front of your partner, the bio parent, then they need to address that. And they can do it the same way that they would if their child was not saying hi to grandma or to Uncle Chip or something like that. I have a feeling that Sometimes dads especially have a hard time of thinking just exactly what to say to their kids when that happens. And it's hard for anyone who happens to be an introvert to ask their own children to step out of their comfort zone and learn to be social. So I learned this phrase from the well-known psychologist and researcher Patricia Papineau, and I think it's a really great sample of something that a biological parent 
can say to their child. And it goes like this. I can't tell you how to feel, but when you're here, I expect you to be polite to insert your name here. You don't have to like her, but you may not treat her like a piece of furniture. Say hello and look her in the eye when she speaks to you. And number two, if it only happens when you're alone with them, it could be an expression of a loyalty bind. That's what happens when a child can't trust him or herself to feel good about you. It makes them feel guilty deep inside, as if their mom can read their mind or see what they're feeling even when they're far away from her. Sometimes it's also about seeing you as an obstacle to being with their dad, like if you weren't there, dad would have to be home with them or something. Or you could be an obstacle to their parents getting back together. You know, I just talked to a mom today who told me that her daughter has two dreams. One, that her mom will have another baby with her stepdad, who she loves very much. And the other dream is that her mom and bio dad will get back together. For her, those things are not incompatible. She wants them all to live together. And I've heard from adult stepchildren who realize that they still fantasize about their parents getting back together 20 years after they've both moved on. All of that is to say that it's not always about you. I would go farther and say it's hardly ever about you. But you know, we're so conditioned to look out for signs of being rejected or not recognized or accepted or welcomed that it's hard not to interpret averted eyes or stony silence as anything but a personal attack. So here's where that magic cloak of invisibility comes in. Learn to disappear. Your ticket to a better relationship with your stepchild is to use that cloak liberally. You can use it suddenly or you can plan it in advance. It can be for a few minutes or days. It can be once in a while or regularly, and all of that depends on your situation. I'll tell you how I've used mine. Years ago, when my stepkids lived several hours drive from us and my husband used to go to see them there every weekend, I would occasionally go along to help with the drive and just kind of be there for moral support because sometimes it was really hard to stay positive and roll with the punches. As a dad of gaslighted kids, the punches could really hurt. So I would go along, but sometimes become invisible. I would spend the day walking along the riverside, popping into one cafe after another, waiting until the coast was clear and I could go back to the hotel. Sometimes they would ask for me, and if it felt right, we would all meet for supper. Other times, he would tell them that I was back at home. Another time I used my cloak was more significant. On one occasion, he invited the kids to come to visit us for a long weekend. That didn't happen very often because of the logistics of picking them up and taking them back, potentially 12 hours of driving over three days. But once or twice a year, he tried to make it happen. On this occasion, they said they didn't want to come to visit him. And they said it was because of me. They didn't want to see me. It really pained him to tell me this. I think at first he tried to hide it from me because he was embarrassed and he didn't want to hurt my feelings. I chose not to let it hurt my feelings. He didn't know what to do, but I knew. I would put on the cloak. 
He told the kids that I would be out of town that weekend so they could come after all because I wouldn't be around. I'll bet their mom didn't see that one coming. She wanted them to disappoint their dad to stay home with her and she had engineered this rebellion around me. Once that impediment was removed, they could hardly choose another reason not to come. So in the end, they had a great weekend together. Meanwhile, I was comfortably ensconced in a friend's guest room, literally around the corner. I could practically see our house from where I was, and I even wandered over after bedtime for a glass of wine and a kiss or two. Why did I do that? Wasn't I giving in, getting pushed around, letting them call the shots? Not at all. If he had asked me to go away, I would probably have been sad, but he didn't. It was my idea. They had no idea they were calling the shots. It was put to them that this was a lucky coincidence. I had to go out of town that weekend anyway. Wasn't that great? It would not have been a good thing at all for them to think that they had pushed me out of the way. This was a therapeutic intervention. They got to enjoy a weekend of closeness with their dad without the stress of having to report back to mom about what I made them eat or how I made them go for a walk or whatever that added an element of social difficulty for them when it was time to go home. This is the magic of using an invisibility cloak. You are completely in control of when and how you disappear. And the effect of this was that they never used that excuse again. And they seemed glad to see me the next time. They didn't have to feel embarrassed about treating me badly because as far as they knew, I never even heard about it. Here's another way I became invisible. When my stepsons were here going to school, I used to stay upstairs in my bedroom while my husband made their breakfast. Mornings were completely for them to be alone together. I used that time to read or meditate, but I never went downstairs until they were gone to school. That allowed a great opportunity for connection with dad without me around. It meant that they could talk about anything, even things that might be none of my business, like their mom or their siblings or me, without thinking that I might pop around a corner unannounced. I think that was one of the things that really contributed to a solid dynamic in our family. Now, onto the topic of feeling invisible because the bio mom doesn't acknowledge you or appreciate your input. There's a really simple answer to that problem. Get over it. <coughs> Sorry to be brusque about it, but that's said with total love. Stop harming yourself with your own thoughts. She doesn't ever have to acknowledge you or appreciate you. That's all happening at her end. And it doesn't mean a thing to you or to your place in your family. Listen, there's nothing that brings out the angry mama bear in a woman like handing over her babies to a guy she dislikes and the woman who is sleeping where she used to sleep. She has a lot of grief and disappointment to deal with, and you can't help her with that. You know, there's a nice story I heard from the life of Siddhartha, also known as the Buddha. At this point in his life, he had become famous as a spiritual leader and Lots of people were leaving their previous religious attachments to follow his path to happiness. A man comes to see the Buddha, all angry, because his whole family have deserted him and the gods that he's been worshipping. He comes with a hidden knife, planning to kill the guru. 
the Buddha says, I see that you're a very important man. You must receive visitors quite often. Yes, of course, says the man. I get many visitors. And some of them bring you gifts, asked the Buddha. They always bring me gifts, replies the man. And does it happen that someone comes with a gift that you don't want to keep because it doesn't suit you? Yes, of course, from time to time I don't care for the object they bring. Well, today you're arriving with a gift that I don't want to keep. You can take it back with you. Goodbye. So the deal is, you don't have to accept the negative energy that's being sent your way by another suffering human. You don't have to take it into your house. Refuse to sign for it. Now, I want to read you a short excerpt from a book by Patricia Pepperneau called Becoming a Step Family, Patterns of Development in Remarried Families. I love this story because it sums up so much of what I've already talked about. This is a story about Tom, the biological parent of eight-year-old Ricky, and Tom's second wife, Jenny. Here's Tom's version of the story. Well, we got up nice and early on Saturday and we got a really good start. We drove up to New Hampshire and picked up Ricky right on time. It was so good to see him. Then we all went together and watched this neat parade. Ricky was beside himself having a good time, and I felt wonderful there with my whole family, Ricky and me and Jenny. Then we went out to McDonald's for lunch, and then I had this great idea for all of us to end the day by driving to our favorite spot on the beach and watching the sunset together. All of a sudden, Jenny turns completely sour, out of the blue, mind you. We ended up having a fight right in front of Ricky. The day was ruined. We drove back to the cottage absolutely silent. We haven't been able to talk about it since. I'm so bummed out. My one weekend with Ricky, and she messes it up. I can't believe she'd do this to me. Now, Jenny's experience of the same day went like this. It was an awful weekend right from the start. First of all, after working all week, and I had a really bad week, Tom gets us up at the crack of dawn on Saturday, then we raced up to New Hampshire and picked up Ricky. Ricky chattered a mile a minute to Tom the entire way back to the cottage. I felt like I was invisible. I was invisible. Nobody talked to me. Tom didn't even look at me. Ricky didn't have the slightest interest in me. This is the time I need to reconnect with Tom, especially after such a hard week. And I felt like I lost him to this eight-year-old, an eight-year-old who didn't even know I existed. Then we went to this dumb military parade. So there I was, standing in the rain, watching Tom and Ricky watch this parade. I was tired and my feet hurt and I just wanted to go home. Then we went to McDonald's, Ricky's favorite. I hate McDonald's. At last, I thought we were going to go home where I could at least be comfortable. And then Tom asks me, in front of Ricky, if I want to drive half an hour to the beach to watch the sunset. Not only that, it's the spot on the beach where I most like to be alone with Tom. It's our special spot. It was the last straw. I lost it. I know I did. And then Tom got so critical and withdrawn. And that was the real last straw. So isn't it fun to peek into someone else's life? It's so much easier to see how someone else could make their own experience better than it is to see that for ourselves. This woman is suffering, and so is her husband. 
They each have expectations for themselves and for their family that are just unrealistic. He wants his new wife to share his joy at being with his son, to help him feel that his family is whole again in a new way. And she wants to enjoy her romantic connection with her new husband, and she feels displaced from her spot in his heart by this child who isn't interested in having any relationship with her at all. There are so many ways this could have gone better. One, Jenny could stay at home and Tom could go alone to spend the day with his son, potentially spending some time with stepmom later on when they get home. He's around for the weekend anyway. She'll see him later. She, meanwhile, has spent a glorious day alone or with friends she doesn't often see because she's married now. Two, Tom could engage his son in making a relationship with his wife by gently bringing her into the conversation. Like, Jenny, did Ricky tell you yet about how he won a prize in school this week? Or, Ricky, did you tell Jenny what happened at judo last night? Or, I don't know much about that, Ricky. Ask Jenny. I'll bet she knows. Number three, Jenny could get up early with Tom, enjoy a nice breakfast with him to reconnect after her crummy week, and then let him drive to New Hampshire and spend the rest of the morning in a hot bathtub with a coffee and a crossword puzzle. Number four, Jenny and Tom could plan to reconnect after their busy week on Friday evening with a special dinner, even a favorite takeout, but a purposeful date with all the emotional closeness that they would bring to their time together from when they were just dating. Number five, Tom and Jenny could create a special signal to connect with each other when Ricky is around so that she can feel connected to her husband even when he is correctly giving his full attention to his son. This can be a tap on the shoulder or a certain scratch on the back, but it means I love you or can't wait till we're alone together or I'm so lucky to have you. Make a signal for yourselves and start using it. Basically, Tom wants a family that will match the image he has in his mind, as if everyone is standing in a family portrait right where he wants them. And they aren't ready for that, not Ricky and not Jenny. But he can't see that and he doesn't understand that it takes a lot of time and special strategies that weren't necessary in his first marriage. Jenny wants more time to build her marriage relationship before kids come along, the way it goes in a first marriage. She wants more connection with her husband, and she thought that his having a child already would be easy on her somehow, but it's a lot harder than she expected. Ricky lives for his few days a month with his dad, his hero, the most important male figure in his life. He counts down the days until it's time, and then he sav savors every single minute of attention to fill up his tank of dad until he's running on empty again. Seeing his dad is like a drink of water to someone dying of thirst. There's no place for Jenny in this scenario until his tank gets filled up a bit. After that, he'll be glad to make a little room for her in his world. So, to sum it all up, feeling invisible sucks, but it's also sort of a common feature of the stepmom experience for most of us. At the same time, you don't just have to let it eat away at your happiness. 
there are all kinds of strategies you can use to overcome that feeling. And one of them is being invisible. Using your magical stepmom cloak of invisibility to disappear and let your stepkids get all the connection they need and deserve with their biological parent. Disappear into another dimension, one where you nurture yourself with self-care, with things that keep you connected to those parts of yourself that might otherwise get lost to the demands of family. You have to practice becoming invisible. It might feel really awkward at first, but it's a skill that will never let you down. I'm going to disappear myself right now. Until next week. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes so that other stepmoms can find us and enjoy it too. Please join us in my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send me an email at info at essential stepmom. That's info at essential stepmom.com. Thank you.